Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast, where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. This week's episode is supported by Canyon. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been getting to know the Canyon Spectral CF29 LTD and I've really enjoyed riding it. This is one of the most intuitive bikes I've ever ridden, as I found it super easy to ride quickly pretty much straight out of the box, which for someone who likes a setup puzzle is pretty unusual, but this bike is just super easy to ride. I've also taken a couple of my close friends for rides on it and they've had the same feedback. The Spectral is light and it climbs well, both from an efficiency point of view and on technical climbs, where the rear end offers heaps of grip. Pointing it downhill though and the grin quickly spreads across your face. It feels light and poppy on the trail and the geometry provides a confidence inspiring ride that enables you to go hard. I've been really enjoying my time with the bike and if you're looking for one bike to do everything then the Spectral should certainly be on your list. If you want to find out more then you can head over to canyon.com now. Downtime EP issue 1 is out and the feedback that we've received has been absolutely incredible. So a massive thank you to everyone who supported us in putting a high quality gravity focused print project out into the market. Downtime EP is a biannual journal in collaboration with the awesome team at Misspent Summers who learned their trade at Dirt Magazine and now produce amazing print like Hurley Burley, World Stage Book and plenty more. It takes inspiration from the guests and the topics of the podcast, expands on them and takes them into a stunning print only format. EP is the perfect companion for some quiet time away from the distractions of modern life. Don't worry, you haven't yet missed out on issue one. All you need to do is to head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP and you'll be able to save yourself £5 off the cover price with an annual subscription for just £20 plus postage. If all you want to do is grab issue one and have a look, then there's limited stocks available too for £12.50. Head over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP now and check it out. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. If you want to support the show, you can get your hands on the full range of merch over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. Also, please make sure you're following the podcast on whatever platform you listen. There's probably a button there that says follow or subscribe, so hit that now. It's free and it means you'll get every episode as soon as it's available. If you can't find the button, then you can head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe, where I've got links to all the major platforms there to help you. All right. Noga Coram is one of the top riders on the EWS circuit and we sat down a couple of weeks back in Inalethan to find out more about her. We chat about growing up and riding in Israel and her early cross-country racing routes. Find out about the challenges Noga faced with eating disorders and overtraining in those cross-country days and how she nearly quit mountain biking altogether. We chat about her quick progression in EWS from privateer to a full factory rider taking second in the 2019 overall. We also chat about Noga's more recent time spent on the downhill circuit, her friendship with Valley Hall, and plenty more. So, without further ado, here's Noga Coram. Noga Coram, welcome to the Downtime Podcast. How's it going? Yeah, thank you. Uh, great. A sunny day here in Scotland, so awesome. Yeah, it is an absolutely beautiful day. It's been a pretty miserable all week and then you turned up and the sunshine came so thanks for that yeah no worries I brought it from home no <laughs> perfect yeah let's talk a bit about home wind the clock back and um and tell us a little bit about growing up and how bikes came into your life um yeah I was always a outdoor kid I like to be outside I live in a small village we grew up with 40 families so we always the kids were, were outside playing something uh one day when I was 12 or so, uh, a new guy came to the village and built some jumps. Uh, he had a cool bike with disc brakes and a uh, big fork. So we were like, it was pretty cool to see. And yeah, that guy taught us how to do the jumps uh, slowly. 
uh-huh. and yeah pretty much all of the kids we came like pretty stoked about bike and then we built more and more jumps together and then I got into like a summer camp and then sign up for the after school activity uh yeah and pretty much uh pretty quick it became the bigger part of my life yeah. <laughs> and this is Israel yeah yeah in Israel what true. what's the riding like in Israel I, I don't have any feel for it I would say it's not as you imagine. You probably most of the people would imagine Israel as a desert country, camels and donkeys. <laughs> and yeah, it's funny. It's actually pretty, um, yeah, pretty much the, like you have the desert part, mm-hmm. which it's how you imagine it. Yeah. Uh, and then the other half of the country is, uh, yeah, a bit like Europe, uh, just smaller mountains. So okay. it's maybe a little bit like here, obviously less green because we don't have that much rain. Mm-hmm. I mean, now we're here in Scotland, it's, like, I don't know, 15, 12 degrees. So that would be like a normal day in winter okay. in Israel. Yeah. And I just came from there and it's like 25, 30 degrees um, at that time of the year. Nice. Uh, so obviously it's a bit more yellow, but uh, yeah, super nice and pretty. And I would say there is really good riding for cross country and for trail uh-huh. riding. Um but nothing too aggressive, nothing too steep for the moment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Hopefully yeah. we'll improve that. But um, yeah, it's just fun fun to go riding. You normally go for like two hour ride, uh, just like smaller forests uh-huh. uh, where you just go up and down. We don't really have a gondola uh, running for mountain biking. So we just go, yeah. So it's the best with a trail bike or a lighter bike and just... Yeah. Just go up and down. Nice. So pretty good weather all year for riding as well, right? Yeah, I think it's it's actually pretty cool because you can ride, yeah, the whole winter. You can maybe, I don't know, three days a year you shouldn't ride because it's stormy, but uh-huh. you can wait one day, do one day at the gym, and then the next day it's already good. Sometimes it's obviously raining, but it's not as bad. So it's normally around 10 degrees uh-huh. in winter and pretty sweet for riding. And yeah. worst case, you can always drive couple hours like I live in the north so I can always drive I don't know three four hours to the south and have a summer day in the middle of the winter so it's pretty cool yeah Yeah. that sounds awesome yeah and am I right in thinking it was sort of the gravity side of things that you were initially more attracted to like you quite like bombing down hills and and that side of things yeah so when I started yeah as I said I started with all the jumps and skills stuff that I really enjoyed I had my little hardtail that I did everything with like crazy jumps and did even a downhill race with them and just like I was always attracted to that Mm -hmm. and in a certain point when I was like 15 I did everything road uh, cross country downhill like whatever race was there I kind of did it Um, obviously was always attracted to the adrenaline uh, sports and yeah in one point I sat with my coach and he was like yeah you need to choose one discipline that you focus on and um that days in israel it was pretty much either road or cross country that was a bit more developed uh and he said yeah well if you choose one of them you can have support from the olympic federation and okay actually it will be a bit easier to progress otherwise for downhill i'll have to kind of live in europe um and i was in school so it was not really possible so eventually I chose cross country and I did enjoy it that days for sure less than downhill, but <laughs> it didn't really felt like downhill is an option okay. um, as a teenager living in Israel. Um, 
yeah, so I just uh, decided to to focus on cross country and was like I had the goals to get into the national team when I was uh, 17 and then I traveled together with the national team to races in Europe and I saw I'm actually pretty good and I can do well. Uh, so yeah, I just decided to stay with cross country and was racing until 2016. Yeah. I was racing cross country. Like a few times I st- like stopped for a couple months and um, thought if I want to continue or not because it's super hard. Um, <laughs> but got, yeah. You got to a pretty high level with it though, yeah? You raced yeah, world true. champs and... Yeah, I was actually fifth uh, in junior mm-hmm. in the world champs in Canberra. Yeah. Uh, then I had some yeah top 15 results under 23 and always wanted to do better. Like... I always had the goal to be like top 10, another 23, and then top 30 elite. But I, like from one point, I was struggling to reach my goals. And uh, in Israel, you have to go to the army. So as a woman, I had to do two years. Uh, the man had to do three. Mm-hmm. So when I was 18, after I finished fifth at the world champs, like a month later, I had to uh, go to the army. Um, so I was at a special program as an athlete. So I could still fly and do training camps and races, yeah. but I could do that for three months a year, up to three months a year. Uh-huh. Um, and all the rest I had to do like eight hours a day in the army. So it's from Sunday to Thursday, every day, just from eight, kind of. So uh, What sort of stuff are you doing in the army? Um, I would say just like take a paper and move it from the left side to the le- right <laughs> side of the table. Um, it really depends on, on your uh, chief at at le- like wherever you've been in in the army, but uh, I was kind of in the office uh, and just had to, yeah, like mo- pretty much give like papers to one person. You had to sign it and then put it in a right. in a box. Like yeah, a bit something that someone has to do. Yeah, but you don't need to use your let's let's say your brain too much. So Fair it enough. was really boring uh-huh. um and actually i wanted to do something important in the army and it was kind of impossible to both fly uh to europe for racing and do my training and also do something like an important job in the army so it was either this or that yeah. and yeah eventually i chose my sport career and and had to skip that but yeah That's so trying enough. to do important things uh in another way. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the cross-country thing sort of started to get to a point where you were maybe not having as much fun as you'd like, yeah? Um, yeah, like pretty... Well, when I was a junior, I still really enjoyed it, but um, I would say it was always the kind of my own fight of like, well, there is still other races I want to do, and it was always like either the coach or the cycling federation, Olympic federation, when I wanted to do some downy races, even at home and some Red Bull events and some cool stuff. And they were like, yeah, but it's too dangerous. So you cannot do that. And then I'm like, I like to be all over the place and do everything. Uh, And I think that lifestyle was just probably looking backward. It brought me a lot. Like Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm where I am today, thanks to the cross country life, but Probably it's not really fit for my personality. Okay. Um, I think. Like now I cannot really see how I did it for so many years and why, but <laughs> probably there was a reason. Um, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. And and you were basically going to quit mountain bike racing, yeah? 
Yeah, so basically, well, with co- with cross country, I was like, um, yeah, you have to like sleep every day, like enough hours and train. I was training a lot alone and you have to have a certain diet. I have like a lot of problems with like eating disorders okay. and like had to always wanted to be like, I don't know, 48 kilos. And then even if you're 51, like I was like really nervous to take it down. And then I just, every year I got more and more weight and then, um, yeah, ended up like way over what I need to do. And then it's always the being stress of what you need to eat. And then like when training with no food and just like try to really the fight of like, uh, losing the weight and mm-hmm. then it becomes the bigger part of your life yeah, just yeah. to lose the weight and then you train in order to lose weight and then you get weak because you don't <laughs> eat enough and it's just like a crazy circle of unhealthy lifestyle especially mentally yeah and obviously physically so I got overtrained um one time in 2012 like really bad I had to like stop training for a couple months uh, like I didn't have my period for four years. So it's like, it was Whoa. that bad that like the body was unhappy. Um, and yeah, I think it taught me a lot of, well, like I was, I think for a while, even depressed and didn't mm-hmm. even realize it. Um, and that's where I understood that maybe this lifestyle doesn't fit me. And I always like to do things perfectly. And then when it's not, when I cannot do it, it's makes me unhappy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it just, this, this kind of lifestyle, it was definitely too much. And also I think to do it from Israel, it makes it a bit more tough because we don't have many riders, many professional riders, especially not many women, Mm -hmm. uh, that racing. So it's, you do most of the training alone and not many people understand it. So it's like, what do you do in life? I'm, I'm a professional cyclist that, ah, so what do you do for a living? Like, how do you make money? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like going and riding bikes. It's like soccer, you know? Oh, yeah. Okay, but how do you earn money then? <laughs> so it's like people don't really understand it. And um, I think it does get better, but it's definitely something that makes it harder when the environment doesn't really understand. Luckily, I have uh, really, like my family is really supportive, but nice. um, yeah, I guess it makes it harder. So in 2016 I did I won the national championships uh, in cross country and I just remember when when I went to the last lap I was leading with a good gap and I was just thinking to myself like what am I doing here I mean I don't even like I'm not even happy winning yeah yeah and I think that was the point when I knew I should stop but then it's always scary because mm-hmm. what am I if I'm not a bike rider? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think that point, it's where I understood I'm in the wrong place at the moment. Because even if I win, I'm not happy, then it must be wrong. Yeah. And also it's one thing to win Israel national championship, but it's another thing to race uh, in a World Cup and mm-hmm. a world championship, which that was always my goal to kind of, I call it, play the game, you know, to take overtake and over yeah so um yeah I guess that was the point and then I was working a little bit for the uh, Israel Cycling Academy the road team I was with them in the U.S. after this Mm -hmm. and then did another race in Windham and I was there by myself completely like lonely just did it to do another kind of a race and at this point I didn't know what I want to do 
but I know I need a change. And then I started like first row because I had a really good UCI ranking next to all the good riders. And I was like, what am I doing here? I'm like <laughs> completely in the wrong place. Stopped like 10 seconds after the start. I was just like, what the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> um, yeah. And just finished the race just to finish it and just like cried for like, I don't know, for so long. and just didn't know what I want to do. Um, then eventually came back home and I was like, I'm done. Like, I don't want to fly anymore. I don't want to be like away from home. Cause obviously I did it since I'm 17 or yeah, even before. Yeah. And yeah, just, I'm done with racing, done with bike. Like, I just like, I don't want to see it anymore. And yeah, just a random, like I had a birthday and we did a barbecue with friends from like the bike industry. And they were like, yeah, okay, you quit. But before you quit, you have to go to this enduro race. I was like, yeah, I saw like, I saw these people like pedaling with a full face on the road in Aspen. <laughs> and I think it's so weird. Like it looks <laughs> like a really kind of amateur sport. It looks like, yeah, maybe fun, but I'm like, yeah, I'm, I don't want to fly again. And <laughs> just like, yeah, it's maybe fun, but it, I won't make a career out of it. And it was like, yeah, yeah, you have to do it. You have to do it. I was like, okay, I heard, like they say, you need to sign up a year before. Right. So I was like, there was, I don't know, September or August or whatever. And they were, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll send them an email. And if they sign me, then I'll go. And I was like, well, I just going to write an email and then they'll probably never reply. <laughs> so the next day I was like, okay, we made a bet. I have to do it wrote an email like five minutes later, Natalie, the EWS Natalie, she's amazing. So five minutes later, she already replied. I'm like, oh my God, she already replied. Probably it's a no. And then she's like, yeah, sure, no problem. You can register. Here is the link. I was like, uh, but you know, I, I didn't register before. And I'm like, I never did a race before. And I'm like, oh no, she said yes. Now I have to go. I was like, oh no, <laughs> what am I going to do? And I was like, damn it. I like, I made a bet. I have to, like, I cannot okay, I just go for it. And then I was like, hey, but I go only if someone is coming with me. And then I was just talking to another friend like, yeah, now I have to go, but I don't want to go. He's like, hey, I come with you. Like, let's just do it. And he was like, yeah, you want to come? Yeah, yeah, sure. Just like take my credit card, book a place, whatever. And we go. Awesome. Yeah. So it was like, yeah, thanks to him. Um, we just went for it. Like, I didn't even know the rules. I didn't have a, have a bike, no gear. Like, I took goggles from one friend, a pants from another friend. Uh, I was working then with Giant Israel, mm -hmm. actually, since forever, like, since 2008. Yeah. So, luckily, they were super supportive, and they were like, uh, I just told them I signed up for this race, and if they have a bike to borrow me, well, I, yeah, just come to the shop, pick up whatever you want. Obviously, I picked up the nicest bike. <laughs> because they were like the prettiest and I just took them and they were like really good. And yeah, I just rode them like two, three times in Israel before I flew. Yeah. And then, yeah, just flew over to France. And actually since like the first moment in training, I already like fell in love with it. And it was like why I didn't know about this crazy sport before. Awesome. And yeah, it was just like so natural, so fun technical i mean my old like my first coach and i were laughing that we need to make a sport for me that you just go down but you also go up but you race only on the downhill and i was like oh apparently there is such a sport <laughs> it exists yeah 
so I feel like yeah, that's that's definitely the perfect fit yeah. for me. And it went pretty well, didn't it? That first race. Yeah, it was almost too well. It was a bit crazy to when I think about it now. Um, so I just remember the first day. I didn't even know you can look at the times on the phone. Like I was completely rookie. <laughs> Luckily, I had my friend, Natalie Schneider. She taught me like everything that I did, like thanks to her, I didn't got lost <laughs> and knew what to do. Um, and it was just like the end of the day, I just like, yeah, we cook dinner, wash the bike, whatever. And then I just opened the website. I see like, oh, I'm ninth. That's cool. And then I saw, I don't remember how many, but just a few seconds out of, from six, mm-hmm. I was like, well, I just came for fun. Like I had no goals other than just have fun, you know, like, to finish my career in a fun way. Yeah. And then I was like, well, I just came to have fun, but I'm going to take the six. Like I have to be six. <laughs> and then, yeah, just finished the day six. And I was like, no way. <laughs> so yeah, first EWS finished six. It's actually pretty sick. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. And that was enough for you to want to do a bit more. I think you went on to finale for yeah, the end of true. that season. Oh, yeah. look at you. You really know my everything. Oh, yeah, I've yeah, done my research. Yeah. Nice. Good job. <laughs> yeah, so basically, yeah, I remember Enrico was the commentator there and he was like, you have to come to finale. I mean, I was like, yeah, but I have, I'm actually working that week in Italy for the Israel Cycling Academy. I was like, yeah, I don't think I can come, blah, blah, blah. And eventually my boss was super nice and he was like, yeah, I'll cover for you that day and you can just like do one day less of work. So I was like road riding with some people and then the next day went to Finale and unfortunately my bike didn't show up. So I had to borrow a bike from Enrico for training (laughs) and just like so many crazy stories. Eventually I went to bring the bike from the airport the next day. So second day of training, I had a bike and it was actually funny because, um, after the first race in Valberg in France, yeah. I thought, well, maybe it's like just a beginner luck. And I was like, yeah, like maybe it was just track fits me and maybe blah, blah, blah. Like just thinking maybe just luck. And then finale, I had no expectations. Like I didn't know what, what to expect. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just went to have fun and finished seventh. So I was like, oh, wow, actually, maybe I, I can actually be good in this sport. I mean... And it's just like so much fun. So I was like, yeah, maybe I give it a chance. And I just was not sure if I'm going to do a year or not. Mm-hmm. But I was like, well, I see. And then I got to the point when I had to either register or not. And then the guy from Giant Israel was like, well, I'm going to sign you up for the whole the whole races. And awesome. then you sort it out. Like, we'll make it happen. Yeah. And yeah, luckily I had some support from other brands at home and... Um, and yeah, just went for a full privateer year in 2017 and it was like a big gamble to do everything myself. And it started in New Zealand, Australia, back to Europe, Canada, US. So it was a pretty big year. year, Yeah. Yeah, But it was actually really, really cool. And I just said, I'm going to do this year. And in the end of it, either I will find a team and do it full time or either I just stop because... In one in one day, I'll have to be a grown up, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can live the like live the the kids' life the for all of my life. So I was like, okay, I'll give it one more chance, and we see where it goes. Yeah, and you won Breakthrough Rider of the Year. Yeah, true. That was actually pretty cool uh, from the WS to do that. Um, so yeah, I got the, the Breakthrough of the Year, and I had my first podium in Madeira. It was like 
um, yeah, that was super, super sick because, yeah. yeah, I like crashed all over the place and <laughs> was just like over caffeine <laughs> everywhere. Just like, yeah, somehow had a really, really good race. And yeah, I think that was one of the points that changed my career. I yeah, guess. I was going to say, how do, you, how do you go from doing it all as a privateer to getting yourself to the point where you can get picked up by a big team? Like, how did you approach that? Um, so as a privateer, like the 2017 year, my first race in New Zealand was horrible. I was like lost completely. Um, then I got fourth in Tassie and mm -hmm. I was sure it's a mistake. Like I went to the judge, I was like, are you sure it's the right result? It was like, yeah, why? I was like, no, I don't think I was that good. <laughs> and it was like, I was just a few seconds off podium and I was like, no, I think it's a mistake. Like I wasn't riding good. Um, so it's funny and... I think it was this and then getting third um, in a super, well, it was pretty competitive year. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I think it, it is pretty impressive as a privateer to to be able to to go on the podium in such a race, especially yeah. when it was two-day training, two-day racing. Uh, it was definitely much harder. Even now when I see like what a good life we have here in GT factory racing when mm -hmm. we have all the support you have to do so much when you by yourself um luckily then I had Shimano supported me like they knew me from coast country so they just yeah. were happy to help and obviously when I did better they wanted to, to help more and more but uh so luckily they they could help with the bike to make them sorted and yeah, but still going shopping at like 9 p.m. to make food <laughs> for the next day. And yeah, it's definitely a lot of work. And yeah, I don't know. Like it just, yeah, I had maybe the right right uh, spirit and worked out pretty well. Yeah. Were you approaching teams then or did people come to you? Like, um, Actually, before the race in Madeira, I already uh, got an email from GT. Um and yeah, spoke with them before the race and obviously after and with another like one or two team managers. Uh, and then through like the end of the year, a few more teams uh, reached out. Mm -hmm. um, so that was pretty cool, actually. Yeah, yeah. must have made a massive difference getting onto something with that much support. Yeah, definitely. But I think when I saw like GT, I was like, I went into the website because I like in Israel, they're not that big. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I went into the website and there was like, they had a banner of funny, serious business. And I was like, that's the brand I want to be with. <laughs> like, honestly, I was like, oh my God, it's like, that's the right place for me. Cause I was, when I started with Enduro, I said, I'm going to stay only when it's fun. Yeah. And when I don't enjoy it anymore, I stop. Like that was the promise for myself. Um, obviously not hundred percent of the time it's fun, like every other job. But, uh, yeah, I think when I saw that, I was like, that's that's the brand for me because it's like obviously training and working hard but it's also important to enjoy what we do and I think if you don't enjoy it then you shouldn't do it uh so yeah I think when I saw that that was like okay that's the right place for me and since then was not even looking for another team even like yeah I spoke to other team managers and I was like yeah but to be honest I'm kind of I know where I want to be yeah yeah Good stuff. And you settled yeah. in pr pretty quickly. And uh, I guess 2019 is was quite a standout year for you. I think you finished second in the overall. Yeah. What what was it that had started to click then? Like what had you 
worked out because you'd been in the sport a few years then yeah um yeah so I 18 was my first year in a professional team and there was a bit of shock suddenly from fixing my own bike and doing everything myself suddenly everyone does everything for me and I just need to ride a bike so it was really stressful uh-huh. and it took me some time to get into it and I think it's yeah important also for young riders to know that it's really hard to perform first when you go into a team. Like you need to get adjusted to it and to the people and to the bike and gear and the way, like I didn't even know what compression is. Like what is the blue thing that everyone play with? (laughs) So it's like so many things that you're not even aware Uh that could put a lot of stress and just to get used to it. Um, So yeah, it took me, took me a while to get into the, the rhythm. And I think 19, it was the first year that I was training a bit more and um yeah willing to put more effort in uh yeah spent quite a while in europe and training abroad and yeah it was just like okay i can actually be good but i need to put that effort in and yeah i think I i needed some time to get over the you know like all the problems I had from cross country the health problem and mm-hmm. eating disorder and just like everything to kind of okay I can still ride a bike and enjoy it and I can still race and enjoy it but yeah. I need to still find the balance between like working hard on the bike and yeah doing other things so yeah. I think 19 was the year when I found a good balance and yeah just got used to all the yeah, I don't know, bikes and setup and everything, learned a bit more. Uh was really good to have, like, to always see the boys, Martin and Wynn, and, like, try to learn a little bit from them. Mm-hmm. I think it helped me a lot. And from all the other girls, I mean, just to be riding with the other girls, it's really cool in Enduro that we are all good friends. So just to, to learn a little bit from everyone, I think it was a big help. And, yeah, then when I look backwards for 19, it was like pretty close to a perfect year I mean finished second overall it's something probably maybe I don't know years ago I was dreaming of in cross country but I didn't know it could come that quick in enduro and even when I yeah like this year it's really really hard I'm at the moment fifth will be very hard to change that this weekend but yeah, to be finished second overall, it's really, really insane. Yeah, so, super competitive. For yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it's yeah. When I look backward, I probably couldn't say the same at the moment, but now when I look at it, it's I had a quite perfect, quite of a perfect year. Awesome. Yeah. Sure. And then twenty twenty was a was a rough year for pretty much everyone on the planet. True. But it started off pretty badly for you. You had a really nasty crash in training. Yeah. yeah so I was like, okay, I can, I can really be good but I need to be a bit more around Europe so we say like Natalie Schneider and me she's my coach we said we need to like to find a like to do some training camps in the off season so we're like okay we'll do La Palma in February then in March we have a a testing camp with Fox and GT and then it's racing right after so it will be like perfect I was super fit training really good in the off season, like everything went perfectly by the book, by the plan. Went to La Palma um, and pretty much that's where, the, where it ended. Like um, First day on the bike, I had a nasty crash. The first thing I remember is like me waking up and asking Nati if it's a dream. 
Uh, I had no idea where I am and was just like, yeah, my lips were like half, like completely open. And um, yeah, it was pretty bad moment. Obviously that was bad as it is, but just it took a lot of time to recover more than I could say. Like, obviously I could take the stitches out after like a week or two and like slowly recovered from that. But I think the head, it took it a lot more time than I thought. Uh And not just the head, but the whole body, like it had a trauma and I could ride after like a couple of weeks after I could ride already. Uh, But I, it took me a lot of time to go back to be able to, um, control the speed and I couldn't see so fast. Uh, so I had to like, yeah, it was really hard to ride fast Yeah, because I couldn't process the speed. So um, like your brain couldn't keep up with... Yeah, it's like the brain works in slow-mo. Yeah, strange. Yeah, really strange. And it took me a lot of time. Also, I think I realized it just after. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, probably I had a pretty massive concussion. Maybe didn't like... Um, yeah, maybe didn't work good enough to recover from the concussion and was just thinking about my teeth and the broken parts. Um, and maybe looking backward, it was like a big part that I had to maybe take it a bit more easy and understand it will take time, but I still had the goal to be, you know, better and better. And I didn't really see that at the time. Um, so yeah, it definitely took me some time like, yeah to be able to ride fast again and yeah. to really be able to, yeah, to process the speed. I think that's the, the best explanation. Interesting. Yeah. And we didn't really know when the season was going to start, did we? It kept yeah, getting pushed exactly. back and back and back. Yeah. And I think the first big event you did in 2020 was Lear Gang Downhill Worlds, right? Uh, no, that? it was Zermatt. Oh, there was Zermatt was before that? it, yeah, was yeah. there? Yeah. Yeah, it was actually the all EWS season and then there was oh, the last okay. race. So we had uh, Zermatt and I was like training super hard for it and came to Europe like a month ahead just to prepare because I knew how hard it is and wasn't like didn't manage to be as fit as I wanted because obviously like it was pretty hard to train with uh, lockdown and yeah, same for everyone, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then when I yeah came to Zermatt, was hoping to do well, and again broke my derailleur in the first stage. So there was a really heartbroken moment. Um, yeah. Then managed to still like fix it and continue on time, and still had a good good other stages. But obviously, I was like probably last or so because <laughs> I had to walk half of the stage in stage one. Um, yeah, then the next two races in Finale and Pietra were not so good, mm-hmm. um, and just couldn't really find my rhythm. Uh, and after that, we went to Krankworks in Innsbruck and, uh, Leergang. So Krankworks yeah. was cool. Yeah, you went, went well there, yeah. yeah, yeah was yeah. that on your trail bike or on a downhill bike? Uh, I think the downhill bike, because okay. I wanted to prepare for world champs. Makes yeah, sense. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it could be good on a trail bike, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think we'll see you at more Crankworks? Did you enjoy that event? I love it. Like, since the first time I did some events in Whistler, I really, really liked it. And I really want to do Speed and Style. Ah, nice. Yeah, I hope I hope one day I can. I was going to say, I think you, you have got a bit of a, a trick bag, haven't you? I've seen some Unfortunately, photos. Unfortunately, just no hender, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe an off-season goal would be to work on my jump skills. 
Nice. That will be that will be a dream to to do some more Cankworx events. There's a, yeah. a little fly off jump coming into the finish here. So ah, is there? There's a little cheeky no hander opportunity. Oh yeah. Mm, okay, <laughs> we'll check it out. Excellent. Yeah. And yeah, how was Leergang World Champs? That's your, the only downhill World Champs you've raced. Yeah, it? true. So actually, uh, always when I was racing cross country, I always looked at the downhill and I was like, <laughs> oh my god, this is so cool, and it was like fully like over the moon when I saw the downy riders and the track I was like walking the track in Val di Sol at my first world champs just because it was so sick like looked so cool and I it was basically always my dream to do it but I was never allowed because it was too dangerous uh-huh. I could get injured whatever um, and yeah it was then when I got there it was still a bit different because there was no crowd so you can imagine it's it's not as stressful but the other hand, I was like so much, I don't know if expectations or like fear to crash because always downhill was like, everyone told me it's so dangerous and you can get injured and blah, blah, blah. So it was always really, really scared. Um, and then when I got there, I was almost overwhelmed and yeah, just was scared to get injured. And then it was wet and cold and snowing at the top. Yeah. And I was really, really, really nervous. Probably the most nervous I've ever been in a race. Um, and then, uh, at the re- well, obviously training and everything was stressful, but then was pretty good. Mm-hmm. And at the race, I had a really good top. Like I even saw I was like on the splits. I was like second in the first split or second split, whatever. Just like really, really good, better than uh, I thought I can do. And then I had, too massive over the bars when I had to like climb up to kind of get the bike and then crashed again and it was just a bit of a nightmare the race um but I was like well I I need to give myself another chance and it's something I always wanted to do yeah uh and then yeah this year I had another opportunity unfortunately I had two of them and I kind of fucked it up in both (laughs) um but yeah, it's just made me like I had to, I really want to do more and yeah. just give it a chance because, yeah, as I said, it's always been my dream. And so far, uh, the first World Cup I did was in uh, Leger mm-hmm. and I had an okay quality, not that good. Like I felt like did some mistake, didn't crash, but did some mistakes. Then just took one wrong line in uh, at the race run uh, because it started raining and then suddenly somewhere was like slippery when it, before it was fine yeah um and had a pretty big crash there uh and then in maribor i just i was a bit stupid and just uh try a new line like a new jump in the race run which is something i know you should never try anything new on a race run it's like obvious you don't try new things <laughs> Um, but somehow I did it i felt like i have a good speed i tried it and almost crashed but went like off the bike but not really crashed on the floor okay, so it yeah, was yeah. fine physically but I was just like so mad at myself that I <laughs> yeah that I crashed again, like kind of crashed again and so kind of yeah as I said destroyed my two opportunities this year but I'm really really hoping to have some more opportunities in the future excellent that's good to hear I mean even qualifying for the, the yeah. women's field these days at world cups that's not easy right yeah, definitely. Like it's enough if you do one one mistake and you out. Even if you did uh, the rest of it pretty good, so it's really it's really stressful. It's it's so much different. 
I thought it's basically the same as enduro, but just like you have one run. But it's so much different, just training, like you need already in track walk to know where you're going and then to remember the track and to ride so fast and hit the jumps. And it looks like you have a lot of training time, but actually not. Uh, it's limited, huh? Yeah, it's really limited. And then you have to be strong enough to be able to, if you do a mistake, to kind of not crash out of it. And it's really physical, mm -hmm. which you will like, at least in Israel, people think like, yeah, down is easy. You just go down. <laughs> uh, so obviously I didn't thought it's easy, but like it doesn't sound as hard as enduro, but it's yeah. actually super hard, but different. It's a different hard than enduro, but yeah. it's uh, definitely a difficult and physical sport. Cool. And do you, uh, do you think racing downhill has helped your enduro racing? Yeah, I think my disadvantage in enduro is like just release the brakes and go really fast. I'm a bit better on the technical parts. Okay. And I think I struggle with just like leave the brakes and just go. And I think that's exactly where downhill helps. And maybe to be like a bit more like to look at lines a bit more because I normally just go with the flow. Whatever happens, happens. And maybe I need to learn to like look a bit more on the lines. And so I think that helped for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it seems to work pretty well for, for a lot of these races that cross over, for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Helps yeah. with the speed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just yeah. to to lift the brakes. Nice. Yeah. And you've been hanging out with Valley Hole quite a bit, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so in after Maribor, I was supposed to go home to celebrate my 30th birthday at home with my friends. And we were like planning a big parties. I had like three parties in a row and <laughs> just like was super stoked. And then the Monday, like a week before... Uh, the government announced that start from Monday, obviously the day after Maribor, you'll have to quarantine when going back home. So I was like, no way, it's not happening, <laughs> like seriously. Um, so super unlucky, I had to stay in Europe. Um, and that's like after like t more than two months that I was already away from home. And then I just asked Vali, hey, I'm stuck in Europe. Do you want to do something fun together? She was like, yeah, I have to be a couple of days at home, uh, but then we can do something. So we should just come over and... We just, yeah, whatever, go with the flow. I was like, yeah, cool, let's do it. So I just came and it was super cool. Um, yeah, obviously she's incredible rider. I mean, yeah, just to, to follow her, it's like I cursed the whole way down. I'm like, <laughs> how can you be like so talented? It's honestly, it's annoying to, to ride with her. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't ever ride with her. It's just like impossible. Like you just follow her and you're like, oh, how can it, like how it looks so pretty. Like everything's so smooth and... Yeah, but yeah, obviously joking, it's incredible and yeah, she's super humble and just good times with her and she is a bit, a little bit reminds me of myself when I was younger. Okay. So it's kind of funny and cool to be almost like the big sister and just try to, I don't know, show her from my own mistakes and hopefully, yeah, she, she can, yeah, obviously she have it, she totally nailing it, so... Yeah, it came together yeah. pretty well at the end of the season. Yeah, it's it must incredible. have been nice, nice for you to yeah. see that. Yeah, it was so nice to watch. Like I was really sad to, to not be there uh, in the US when she won, but we were all watching in finale and it was just like so happy that she did so well. It's really incredible because she put like so much effort and she's, yeah, like really want everything to, yeah, she worked hard for what she does and, and it's cool when you work so hard and it goes... Like it doesn't go well for so long and then suddenly you make something right and 
then it just works. So yeah. it's it's really cool. Very really, cool indeed. Really and, exciting. And how's your season been going? Twenty twenty one seems to be a, 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 almost an outlier in the women's field in that it's been very up and down the results mm. every race have been quite different no one's yeah sort of really taking charge of it and some riders will have a really good week and then a really bad week and mm. what how is it from the inside like how do you feel it's going yeah so actually result wise i've been i would say pretty consistent so far i mean i was only once out of top five and it was i was sixth so um result wise i would say i'm pretty consistent um, mentally, I'm very much in a roller coaster. Um, I think the concept changed quite a bit this year. Yeah. Uh, the concept of enduro. Um, well, it started with double headers, which is already a new game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the tracks were really different than the years before. Uh, we used to have like long liaison and a bit longer ones. Um, long and longer yeah uh, like yeah hard and longer liaisons and uh this year it's like the year started with two races in canate and two in latwil when they were the stages themselves were super physical with suddenly like two minute climb and stuff we never had before mm-hmm. and like two minutes super steep like when like obviously when you fitter you can gain so many seconds yeah um and i guess you could see it in the results as well um and that's something i i didn't train for like i did sprints i did short intervals but never something like that before oh like enduro life yeah, yeah. um so for me it was a bit of a shock uh to have this and cuz yeah when you're not prepared you're just like oh what is this <laughs> um yeah and the same happened in latwil when it was like super physical and just like the stages start with like a weird flat pedal Mm -hmm. into the stage and it just like changed the whole picture. And it used to be, well, the way I kind of remember it more or the way I saw it, it was a bit more of few downlift stages that you race on, but you still have to get to the top. Yeah, And it just changed the game a lot. Um, So luckily I had the time after that wheel, I was in Morzin and was training and training a lot, doing some more intervals and really focus on improving my anaerobic fitness and to be prepared for that. And then, yes, yeah, suddenly it was kind of different again. Like Crans Montana was a bit a bigger day, but still cool. And then, uh, oh, before Ludenville, again, we had like a cross-country stage in the middle. <laughs> like after a big day, you you still have like a full cross-country stage of like after every turn where you have to pedal full gas for like few yeah, like, I don't know, 10, 20 seconds, and then again, and then again. And, yeah, and then finale, suddenly you have 2,000 meter climbing, and and then you're like, what what should I train for? (laughs) And I think it was really hard. Also, finale, I was sick, so it was, it made it much harder. Like, I didn't even know if I can start. Um, But, yeah, I think, uh, like, for me, it was a bit confusing the way, I don't know exactly where enduro, like what is enduro, like yeah, to explain yeah. enduro at the moment or EWS. Um, so I, I do struggle to explain it at the moment. Um, and I don't exactly know how to train for it and how to approach it. If it's like I need to like 
be more strategic and I don't know start slower and go faster in uh-huh. the end or I don't know so um it's been a bit of yeah a lot of mental um yeah a lot of the mental game came in and like it's it's been pretty yeah I guess it mentally it's been one of the hardest year uh to manage to push myself again and again uh to to fight for for the win or yeah. for the podium but definitely in in France in Ludonville it feels like it's been years ago um yeah that was really cool like I didn't look at results during the day uh just one time at the fit zone I saw I'm I'm first overall which I never been leading a race ah, cool. so that was the first time in my life I was like oh what is this <laughs> Um, but then I still knew that there is the cross country stage coming in the end. And I know, I know my competitors and I was like, unfortunately, like there is a really low chance I can compete with that. Uh-huh. Obviously did my best and, uh, finished third in, in this one. Um, but I was really upset cause I was like just one second of second and like, I don't know, a few seconds of first and I had a big like two crashes. So I was like, if I wouldn't have, obviously, if and if and if doesn't yeah, help. Yeah. But I was like, damn it, if I would be like a bit more focused, I wouldn't crash and I could have my first win in my career. And so I was more upset than happy, to be honest. And then the second race, uh, I was just focused on, hey, I can, I can win, like just stay on your bike. And I was so fac- focused on not crashing. So, so I was just riding so slow. <laughs> oh, no. So first few, like first two stages, I was just riding too slow and not in the groove. Um, and then the next two, I was like, okay, I have nothing to lose. I just go for it. Whatever happens, happens. And then, yeah, finish fourth, if I'm not wrong. Um, so yeah, it was like always like a bit bittersweet mm. of like, okay, I had a good race. Maybe my best race ever. Like I was leading the race until the last stage. But the other hand, I was more upset than happy. So it's always like hard to to judge. And then, yeah, and then Cannes Montana was like started pretty hard. I had a big crash in the pro stage. Then somehow, no idea how, managed to finish third. And that was like, whoa, that's pretty cool. (laughs) So I was really stoked about that. And yeah. So a lot of up and yeah, yeah, yeah. Like honestly, emotionally, uh, this year has been very difficult for yeah. sure. Do you yeah. share much of that with your competitors? Because, like you say, you're quite close, but yeah. that you're sort of letting people into the, mm-hmm. the inner workings. I guess. Like, do you do you talk much amongst that group of riders about yeah. how you're feeling? Yeah, definitely. I think with the girls, well, you can ask around. I'm always the one who complains the most. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the complainer. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm an open book. Like, what you see is what you get. Uh-huh. I'll never lie. I don't have this, like, mental game. I see it a bit in downhill. They do, like, they have their games. Yeah. Uh, I don't have it. It's like, what you see is what you get. If I, if I don't feel good, you will see it, unfortunately. <laughs> but if I'm not happy, not feeling good on the bike, not enjoying, you will definitely see it. Okay. And, uh, yeah, uh, lucky, luckily, we are, we are in good, good touch, all the girls, and... We always support each other, and I think that's something really special in enduro. It's really cool that we always, well, in mm-hmm. the race, there is always one girl that struggles, mm-hmm. and it could be a crash, it could be a period, it could be broke up with a girlfriend, with a boyfriend, whatever, and just I think it's really, really cool that we all support each other, and even if we not 
I don't know, if we're not in the best, I don't know, not, not speaking every day or whatever, it's still we there for each other nice. in the race. And I think that's something really special with Enduro that we will actually help each other to finish the day, even if it's like a, a little push or help to fix a flat tire or whatever. So yeah. I think that's something special yeah, that's that really I really nice. appreciate. Yeah. And do you, do you find that the other women are having similar issues trying to work out what EWS, EWS is now? Um, I guess everyone is different because I think that's a bit of the problem because some people like the big days mm -hmm. when it's like 2,000 meter climbing and the other people like the cross-country stages and the other people like this and that. And I think, well, I do think everyone struggles with the unknown. Yeah. Um, and when you're used to one thing and then suddenly it's another thing and then the beginning of the year, it's a, like a short down little, like it's almost a few downhill stages with some cross country in it and then suddenly it's a massive back to massive day that's a bit confusing i think that's pretty hard mm -hmm. um but i do know that ews are doing their best all the time to try to improve the sport and to make it more uh visual to like help um yeah bring more and more media so i know they work really hard on it so yeah. uh i guess it just this year with COVID and everything that it's so complicated and so many things they had to sacrifice in order to, to have it right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just hope that they find a way to do it, to do it well and to, to find their right, uh, set up. Yeah, I'm sure they will. The team is here. <laughs> Say hello to the team. Hello team. Hello team. Hi. <laughs> um, they're on number one. Sorry. Sorry, guys. That's that was all Mark. Good. All good. <laughs> yeah, so a tricky year. Do you think it's heading in a good direction, though? Do you think things will get a bit more stable once COVID's less of an issue and schedules are a bit more predictable? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, the double headers were a lot because of COVID, from what I understood. Mm. And yeah, I think they will learn to communicate better. Like, they just brought more media into it. So I guess that's a lot of work. And... Yeah, I believe I believe it w it will be better. Hopefully, it's already next year we can see the improvement. Definitely, yeah, good stuff. And in the background, as if you're not busy enough, kind of keeping fit and trying <laughs> to work out what you need to be doing training wise for EWS, you've put together your own. I think is, is it a four race enduro series back at home? Yeah, so we have the Israel Enduro Series, which I started with my boyfriend and a third partner, which have a bike magazine in Israel. Um, and yeah, it's pretty much been. A bit uh, become a bit of a dream uh, for myself to bring enduro to Israel because I think, well, it's not as big mountains as as you guys have in Europe, or mm -hmm. but it can be really cool, and I think the concept really fits the Israeli vibes, and I think it could be really really cool. Um, so we started with one race, which was really successful in the end of nineteen, and I was like, actually, when I was when I saw Ireland. I was like, hey, you can actually make a pretty cool race out of a small hill. Yeah. Um, so you don't necessarily need a 1,000 meter vertical to have a good race. And it's actually even better when it's small because it's better for the crowd. So I was like, okay, maybe we can sort things out. So we worked together with a forest company to first have a permit to build Endure tracks because so far there is about 3,000 kilometers of single tracks in Israel that the forest company built. Cool. But it's only cross-country and family-friendly uh, trails mm -hmm. so 
over a year we were working with them on permits to build uh, that uh, project, the Enduro project, and they changed something in their rule book and it was like so much bureaucracy, but luckily we managed to have like, I don't know, to somehow know the right people that was pushing for it and they understood how important it is to actually, yeah, otherwise th- there is like so many pirate tracks and yeah, illegal yeah. ones and then it becomes too sca- too too dangerous. Yeah. So we managed to convince them that if we build like good and safe tracks, uh, which are a bit more aggressive, it's also better for them. And uh, yeah, so luckily we, we got this permit last minute, we managed to build it for the race. And I think until today it proves itself because uh, since we build the tracks, there is no pirate tracks in that forest. So I think it really showed everyone that if you do it right it's mm-hmm. actually better for the environment and for everyone yeah. basically so since then like pretty much every area in israel is talking to us in order to do these kind of tracks uh but yeah unfortunately bureaucracy takes like so much time since we meet and have the plan to actually execute and actually make it happen but yeah yeah must have been cool though seeing the racing going off that you've been able to put together yeah like it's it's actually so exciting like for me I feel like it completes me because to be just a racer, it's great when you away for racing, but yeah. then it goes down so quick. And then you find yourself like either on a very high or when you go back home, it's like you feel a bit useless. Like I feel okay. a bit like, okay, then, okay, if I'm not racing, what am I doing? Um, and I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie, so I need something to, to do. Uh, so I figure out this project is something that really brings the fire and it really makes me happy to do something also something for others. Cause yeah. I feel like to be an athlete is really almost selfish thing. Like you have to focus on yourself and do so many things for yourself, mm-hmm. obviously for your sponsors and stuff, but, um, it's more for yourself. And then to do something like this, which, which is for like hundreds or thousands of may- maybe even more people, then it really makes me happy and it gives me kind of the fire to to continue. And um, yeah, so to do the races, it's like incredible. So 2020, we had to cancel our plans um, because of COVID. We mm-hmm. were like Israel, we were really strict. And then 21, uh, we did our first race in uh, April and it was insane. I was like really, really good race and everyone were happy. We sold out like two weeks before the registration was closed amazing and yeah but it's crazy the amount of work it's like a month <laughs> before that i'm just like all out in the race doing super short trainings and yeah like this year it was too much for me as a racer uh-huh. so like now i just spoke to the federation i was like yeah that my goal is to do less and less <laughs> that like you guys are able to do things without me and i just supervise <laughs> so yeah my goal is to yeah, slowly we will hopefully will have a bit more sponsorships and yeah. a bit more support and then I'll be able to rent people to do, yeah, to do the job and yeah. I don't need to actually go and pick up trash at midnight <laughs> the day after the race. So <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, but it's really, really exciting and it's cool to see the young kids um, improving and there is like now there is a, a few kids racing in Europe already and there is one that goes to enduro races, nice. uh, like qualifier event, because you want to have the points for next year. And I think to me, that's the things that makes me super happy to see, because there is a lot of potential in these kids. So it's it's really, really cool to see them actually 
taking it and doing something with it yeah good work that's awesome and mm. you've also um, been spending a bit of time working on a pump track project i think with claudia yeah yeah so actually super coincident uh i spoke to claudia a bit in world champs in leo gang uh-huh. uh we we're just like yeah watching the boys qualify whatever and just spoke a bit it was like yeah actually it's my dream to build pump tracks in israel and palestine and this area and I was like, oh, no worries, I'll put you in touch with the right person. And there is a guy named Ran Magdaliot, who's the founder of the Israel Cycling Academy, the road team. He was an yeah. ex-professional uh, road rider. And he's the one that like pretty much changed the bike scene in Israel, I think. Um, one of the people, there is few of them, but he's like a, a major uh, yeah, personality. Um, and... Yeah, so then I put them in touch. I was like, do we did some emails together and like meeting? It was in November or so. And then Ron was calling me in March. So Claudia is coming in April to build the pump track. So we need this and this. I was like, what? Already in April is coming. Like, yes, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, wow, that's that's awesome. That's like, cool. So they did like a, a crowdfunding and... I get everyone who rides a bike in Israel donated and awesome. now there is there is two pump for peace pump tracks yeah. um in a youth villages which in one of them I also volunteer for the last couple of years uh-huh. just to ride with the kids and yeah it's a really really cool project and I'm actually stoked just from a little like a little chat it it happened so it's really really cool and now they have like bigger plans for the future and i'm sure you'll you'll hear about it soon fantastic yeah oh, that's really great cool. stuff cool yeah well, we're getting close to the end of our time but we've got mm. four questions that we've asked pretty much everyone so we'll okay. hit those up the first one of those is if our listeners had 150 pounds which i had to even i didn't know what the israeli currency was it's shekel right yeah so that's true. about 650 israeli oh, shekel yeah what should they spend it on to improve their performance on a bike wow that's hard um i guess a skills coach it's the biggest uh improvement obviously it depends what you do and who you are and but i think i would use it for a skills coach to like to work on the basics and stuff like that okay do you have you ever had coaching yourself um if if I'm coaching or have you have you ever taken coaching? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I have a friend from home that actually really helped me to transform for from uh, cross country to enduro. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were doing some sessions together. Unfortunately, not enough, but yeah, hopefully we'll do more next year. Interesting. Yeah, but he helped me a lot. Cool. What was your biggest takeaway from that? Then what was the the biggest learning? Um, in cross country, when I was racing cross country, we didn't have the seat post, like the lower uh, yeah, seat post. Yeah. Yet. So mostly you would ride 50-50 with your legs. And I was arguing with him. Yeah, of course, it's faster to do a turn with 50, like 50-50. And he's like, no, it's not. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, I'll try both and we see which one is faster. And then he was right. So I was like, <laughs> okay, maybe you're right. Maybe you know what you're saying. Yeah. Everyone can learn something, eh? Definitely. Yeah, always. That's like something that it doesn't matter who you are. You can always see other people riding and learn from them. So I think that's something for sure. Yeah, cool. All right, second question. If you could wind back the clock and sit down with yourself age 16, what advice would you give her? Do what you love, I guess. That would be, yeah, to go a bit more with my heart and less with what other people tell me to do. 
Good advice. I like it. <laughs> All right, third one. If you could have a coaching session with anyone, past or present, who would it be and what would you want to learn? Oh, my God, so many. Just everyone. <laughs> you can have more than one. I think it's honestly everyone. Like, as I said, uh, like riding with Vali, I learned so much and following Martin a little bit here and there, like the maximum is like five seconds I can follow him. <laughs> but like just see how like smooth and how much he uses the terrain in order to gain speed and to ride with Cecile, which is like completely crazy and somehow still stays on the bike. And pretty much everyone I ride with is just to learn a little bit from everyone. So I'm so sorry I don't have a, an right. answer. It's, um, yeah, just everyone. I don't know. I like to learn from everyone. If it's even a motor, motocross rider that you see how like fast he goes and not being scared and yeah, I don't know. Just that's good. You always ride with a lot open. of people. Yeah. Every, yeah. Everything's a learning opportunity, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's that's how I see it. For sure. Cool. Final question: What is something you do every day that you feel benefits you? First, to drink coffee. <laughs> That's most, more important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, good question. I guess. Yeah. As as we said, like to learn, like to to have an open minded to learn from everyone you meet on the way. Like to learn something from everyone. That I think that's something I yeah I try to do a lot. Um, and yeah, I don't know question <laughs> <laughs> you'll think of something as soon yeah. as you're finished yeah probably i will <laughs> yeah i'll be like oh no yeah just to yeah i don't know to try to yeah i don't know <laughs> so yeah soak it all in yeah yeah good stuff well it's been super interesting chatting finding out more about you i hope uh, the weekend goes well for you looking forward to seeing you on track thank you if people want to follow you and keep up to date with what you're up to where's the best place for them to head yeah, I guess uh, Instagram, uh, Noga Korem on Instagram. Or if you want to come for our races, it's the Israel Enduro Series. You're more than welcome. Um, and yeah, Facebook, Instagram, and I guess we'll see you cool. there. Nice one. Yeah, we'll put some links in the show notes so people yeah, can find them. That's cool. Thank you very much. Awesome. Yeah, thanks a lot for your Hope time. you enjoyed it. Awesome. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. All right, that's it for this episode with Noga. I really hope you've enjoyed listening. A massive thank you to Canyon for supporting this episode. I've been really enjoying riding their Spectral 29er. It's an awesome all-round bike that's going to put a huge smile on your face. If you're interested to find out more, then you can head over to canyon.com now. Don't forget that the first issue of Downtime EP is now available over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP. We're really happy with how issue one has come together and the response from all our early bird subscribers has been incredible. So if you want to own this piece of mountain bike history, then head over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP now. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. If you want to represent the show, then you can get your hands on our full range of merch by heading over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop with all the proceeds going to help improve the show. If you're still listening and you've got a little bit of time, there's a couple of things you can do to help out. The first and the biggest is to tell your riding mates about the podcast because the more people who listen, the easier it is for me to keep this thing going. It's also great if you can share the episodes on your social media. It helps spread the word and it gets a bit of buzz going around the episodes. And then if you've got a bit of time left over, a review on Apple Podcasts goes a long way too. All right, we've got another awesome episode coming up really soon. But until then, get out and ride.